Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode four of the Plays at Home podcast, the official podcast of the NWL Wiffle Ball League. And today, guys, we got a banger for you. Actually, I am not going to be present for the meat of this podcast. I'm going to be handing it over to Jake Sullivan, Commissioner of the League, for the Commissioner's Perspective podcast episode. So, Jake, I know you'll do a great job, and I'm going to hand it over to you right now. So for you guys today, I have five wonderful segments. Um, I will not be disclosing what those segments are um, until we get to them, because that would spoil the fun. Um, but yeah, let's just get right into it. And unfortunately, I can't have Caleb Medler um, on this podcast, as I have already said. Um, but he participated in this game, so we're going to wait until next week to go over what really happened in this series. But for now, I wanted to let you guys know what it was like for me announcing this. Um, this is definitely the hardest game I've ever had to announce, so I didn't really know what that was like, but uh, to, to announce in the longest game ever, it was absolutely brutal. Um, I had to stand up the whole time while taking stats, and it was it was just awful. Um, and the, I don't know if you guys know this, but... Like a few, I think it was the day before or something like that. Um, the the Sweats played the um, the Sweats played the two cans in their like last game of the series, and that's where um, Kieran Hughes actually ran into the backstop. Um, he says Sean pushed him. I don't really know about all that, but he ran into the backstop and it just completely broke. Like the thing was just shattered. Um, it just it, it it was never the same. We're gonna get a new one next year, but we had to we had to do what we had to do to get through the season with that um, broken um, backstop. So it was honestly the worst. It was was that series, and it just kept it just kept falling over almost like every at bat. It was just horrible. The backstop in that seven inning game. Um, it was just awful. So that you know that just added on to me walking more steps. It takes more time. And, yeah, it was brutal. And then I had to announce another three-inning game after that. Um, so ten innings total of wiffle ball, and we only got two games done. Um, it went so long that the two cans had to forfeit the third game because they just they, they weren't up for playing a third game. And I don't blame them because they played a seven-inning barn burner um, right before that. But it was a, it was a great game. Um, I think I announced it pretty well. Um, and it really wasn't that bad of a game to edit too because it was mainly strikeouts um if you guys haven't seen it already go check it out i'm not going to disclose what happened here even though you probably already know um we're going to wait to get caleb mendler and sean olheim's thoughts on this on the series and that game specifically but yeah it was the game was absolutely brutal to announce it was just it was brutal um you know and as an announcer you kind of want it to end so i was just cheering for either team on offense um but luckily we got a great game, and um, I think I did pretty well with what I had to do. So that was a very tough game, you know. Caleb and Sean and all those guys were complaining on how hard it was for them to get through that game. Um, I definitely took a hit too, though. That was that was no easy task announcing that series. But yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have to say on that seven-inning game. Um, and we'll save the rest for next week. Um, Hopefully I'll get on the podcast next week with Caleb because we'll have a double whammy for you as we'll be talking about the Pioneers versus Knuckleballs, biggest rivalry in the league. Um, 
Caleb and I captain those teams, so that'll be interesting. Um, then we'll also talk about the longest game in NWL history. Um, but yeah, I think that's all I really have to say about the seven-inning game and announcing it. Um, now let's get in to another segment, um, the commission life. Um, obviously, I'm commissioner of the league, so um, a lot of the dirty work that nobody wants to do um, is left to me. You know, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. If you guys don't know, I edit the videos. Um, those are an absolute grind every single time. Um, they do get easier as they go, but definitely an absolute grind with that. Um, you know, after every series, got to pick up the field. Um, it is played in my backyard, so that's, you know, it's my duty to clean all that stuff up. But, yeah, and really... I'm, I'm going to give you guys um, an insight here. In my opinion, the hardest part about running a wiffle ball league is the scheduling, without a doubt. Um, you know, the camera quality last year was a bit of an issue, but that got patched up pretty quickly, I'd say, because um, by 2021, this year, um, I'd say the camera quality is pretty good. Um, but yeah, the, I think the hardest part is getting people um, to your games um, and just having enough guys to play. Um, I think we had around four to five guys on each roster this year. Um, and the reason why it actually worked so well last year and that nobody bailed last minute and that people just were able to make games, it was because of COVID. So it was a lot easier last year. And I just, it was really my fault. Um, I Personally, if I could go back in time, I'd probably only add four teams, um, or have four teams, because adding that extra fifth team just made it kind of a nightmare scheduling, and a lot of people don't know, and we touched on this in episode, I believe, one or two, but um, it was really a nightmare for Caleb and me scheduling. Both of us um, had, took a great part in that, um, but yeah, it's, you know, you think commish, being the commish is all sunshine and rainbows but it's not um a lot of the dirty work is left for you to handle um i input all the statistics um you can go check out the statistics um in our link in our bio in um our instagram profile um on linktree all that stuff is there we also have merchandise now we only have a few things in there um I think there's it's mainly just team socks and an NWL shirt. So if you want to check that out, be the first person to buy merch. That'd be super cool as well. Um, had to get a little plug in there, but yeah, you know it's 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 not easy being commissioner. Um, there's a lot of stuff you gotta do that people um, not necessarily don't appreciate because they don't they just don't know about it. Um, there's a lot and inputting the statistics. Um, it's really not it's not bad at all but it can almost take as long as editing so that does take a while as well um but yeah i won't bore you guys with what i have to do as commissioner the whole time so i'd, I'd say that's good i think you guys can understand where i'm coming from and yeah i think we are ready to go on to our third segment now um and that's going over my 2020 world series champion pioneers um i'm gonna recap the whole season with you guys um because i we really have only touched on 2021 in this podcast and this year in general which is great i think this year has been phenomenal compared to 2020 in terms of quality um 
but yeah so this you know this is this these were my boys back in 2020 um we're gonna go all the way back to the fourth of july game i told you guys earlier i was going to touch on this but including the rest of the playoffs and the rest of the regular season this year that 2020 game the very first game i ever appeared in the fourth of july game was the most brutal game i have ever played in ever ever i don't i, I don't care um i literally even after the playoffs and stuff this year which obviously i'm not going to spoil what happened um this this game 2020 the very first game i ever played in was the most brutal and i'll i'll tell you why um i'll give you a little backstory and context now if you go back to that video um that's back when i used a different editing software and in my opinion the videos kind of sucked but it's always cool to see um how we how we started um with all that and my and if you go back to the video my pitching was horrible it, w it was awful i was spiking everything into the dirt i was walking batters left and right and it was just horrible and I'll tell you what, and, and only pitchers can relate, I would much rather give up a solo bomb than walk in the bases loaded. It's awful. It's big. Giving up walks is the most crippling thing as a pitcher. You waste your arm, you give, you, you give them like five pitches, and they just take every time. They're not swinging at anything, and it's just horrible. It cripples you as a pitcher. It just slowly kills you. It's horrible. So that's the first thing that was so brutal about this game. And I think I gave up, I, I think I had a chance to give up like zero runs in that inning and I just kept choking that game. Um, I had several opportunities to get out of there and I just couldn't. Um, and it was just horrible. I was walking in batters. Luckily our offense with Colin and Tegan was absolutely amazing. I mean, we were hitting on all cylinders. I think my, I don't know if it was my first at bat it was a home run or something like that but it was it was something like that I, I was hitting on all cylinders and i wasn't really worried about losing the game i just wanted to get the game over with um and i believe about half i believe when was it we're, we're gonna fast forward to the third inning now and i believe i have and i believe we were up by a considerable amount of runs and it was a full count pitch to thomas welker now unfortunately with the camera and stuff we didn't pick up a lot of clips a lot of times um so you could, you didn't really see that i struck out thomas quite a few times but the one person the, I, the one person who i had his number it was thomas i was having his number all day i was striking him out almost every single time and it's really mental when you're up there um and the reason why i was throwing so many walks and balls in the first place was be actually because i was throwing unscuffed wiffle balls to practice and then i realized the day of that this is a scuffed league like i said that before so i just totally forgot and i'm like oh shoot and you know a lot of people say that scuffed and unscuffed it's very similar it's not it's actually very different you get it's it's so much different um but yeah that's why i was spiking everything into the ground i kept throwing walks and it was a full count pitch to thomas right four balls two strikes if I got one more strike on him, that's a game. We win by a good amount of runs. And the ball misses by an inch. By an inch. Below the zone. It was... I was so, I was like, no. No. That did not just happen. And I believe either 
Gavin or Sean, they were they were up to bat next, and they were taking balls all day. Um, Gavin, you you, the only way he was swinging at anything was a ball right down the middle, lobbed in. So, yeah, it, it, I was just I was really mad. Um, let the temper get to me, and eventually I think they tied it up. Um, they tied up the game, and then, or no, I'm pretty sure they took the lead. And then we somehow, in the bottom half, came back to tie it up. Then we went to extras. And this game only went four innings, but it was so brutal because I gave up like 15 runs this game. Like, it was awful. It was horrible. Gavin gave up 18. I don't know what he was thinking on the mound. And I threw over 200 pitches. I'm not even exaggerating. I threw over 200 pitches that game. My arm was burning. And I forgot to mention that it was over 102 degrees that day. It was so hot out. It was ridiculous. And I believe, like, in in terms of time, that might be the longest game in history. Just because of how many runs were scored in that game. Because I remember we started at, like, 12. And we finished at, like, 2.30 or 3. Like, we were planning on only playing one game that day, which was good. Because that game went so long. But it was just absolutely brutal. How many runs were given up? Um, and honestly, I think I had it worse on the mound because I was throwing throwing so many balls. Um, and Gav, you know, Gavin Gavin was giving up hits. He wasn't throwing a lot of walks and balls, so he was actually chilling. He he his arm wasn't destroyed. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, we go in to that game. Um, I, I'm feeling very confident, and now we're in the fourth inning here, and. I, I lose it again. Um, I just can't throw strikes, and I give up more and more runs. And then we head to the bottom half here, and I'm pretty sure we have the best two-out rally I've ever seen. I think we were down by three. I, I believe the score was 15-12, to 12, right? And I think I struck out, and either Tegan or Colin struck out. It might have been Colin. But Tegan gets on base, then Colin gets on base. Or... I think so. And maybe maybe it was just Tegan on first. I think it was just Tegan on first because um, I was the second guy in the order, right? And I, th- I hit a pop fly super high in the air. And to give you guys a little context, Thomas hadn't been catching anything all day. Like, he could not he, – he was not catching any pop flies. So, I naturally, I expected him to drop it. But Tegan, um, the reason why I picked him up was because he was so speedy um, – he stayed at first, even though there were two outs. He should have been going all day. He should have gone straight to second. Um, and little um, little would you know, Thomas drops the ball. Um, and Gavin and Thomas are there. They're kind of fumbling the ball. Um, and Tegan sprints to second. He, he puts on the Jets. He puts on the Jets. And in my opinion, I may be the only person, me and Tegan may be the only people... But I thought he was safe. To this day, I believe Tegan was safe at second base. Uh, because Gavin and Thomas were fumbling the ball. And I believe he just got his foot foot in there in time. But it turned out that that play did not matter. Because um, it, it, it didn't matter because I ended up... Um, re- we ended up just redoing the at-bat um, anyways. And I, be- I actually do believe that Colin was on there at second because I hit a three-run bomb, I remember, um, to tie up the game. 
and then so that so that tied up the game with two outs then Colin got on base then Teagan got on base and I hit a three-run walk-off to win it um that may be the most legendary game I've ever played in um definitely the most clutch I've ever been and then a lot of people don't know this but behind the scenes the sweats were trying to argue it after we had already left the ballpark um and it just it was a nightmare and I'm gonna be honest with you guys that game almost ended the league um that's how intense it was um I really did not want to lose that game and we came up with a compromise that we'd forfeit um a game to the sweats as a compromise um which we really didn't have to do but we did it anyways um and yeah that's um that's a little bit of a story on the fourth of july game um i didn't recap really the rest of the season but i'll get into that in a second here but one more thing i want to touch on um i don't know if you guys know but we actually got kicked out of brookside um where we played the opening day and the fourth of july game and that was actually really for the better because there was something with the fence, and the reason why there were so many home runs those first two games is because the fence was way shorter. Um, even though we had the same amount of, like, fencing, it was for some reason it was way shorter than it was at my house. Um, so kids were just getting homers left and right. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much the 4th of July game. That game was insane. Um, I, I love that game. I just love talking about that game because it's so legendary and it's not it's not a game a lot of people know about. But yeah, then we you know I'll, I'll touch on the rest of the season a little and I'll mainly go into the World Series. Um, the Knuckleballs, I knew they were going to be a good team, and I'm actually surprised we split with them. Um, they're a very solid team. They were a very solid team that year. Um, you know, after dominating the Sweats um, and then seeing how we barely beat them i i expected to get sweeped or may, maybe take one out of four um and to split with them was super cool but unfortunately we couldn't get that one seed um then later in the season with the sweats again we played two games we won or we lost game one like six to one with and the, this is when they had like two guys on their team um so they played really well that first game i wasn't on the mound and i just that game might have been the most frustrated I was as a hitter because um, I just kept popping everything up. I was swinging at the inside cheese Gavin was throwing me, and I was popping it up every single time. Um, and then you go to the wild card game. Fast forward to the wild card game. We're the home team, and this is I think this right here is where I just clicked as a pitcher. That's where I clicked as a pitcher. Um, I believe I only gave up three runs. I was feeling it on the mound. And I was really happy with my progress. I definitely improved from game one um, all the way to the wild card in the World Series and just the playoffs in general. Um, that's our most viewed video on YouTube, probably because of the title. And it was it was a decent game. Like it wasn't a bad game. The Sweats almost came back. I believe it was seven to three was the score. Um, and yeah, that that game was a lot of fun. Any game with the Sweats last year um, was a ton of fun. Even this year. Um, you know, the Sweats are always just a fun team to play against, in my opinion. Just a fun team to play against. Um, but yeah, we pulled it out. I expected to get the win. Um, and yeah, I thought I pitched pretty solid. Um, I just needed, I, I needed to not crack under pressure. That's what I needed. I, I needed to not crack under pressure, if that makes sense, in this World Series if we wanted to win it. And I was so locked in, in the World Series, 
Um, but we lost game one, six to five. And this was absolutely brutal. We almost made the treacherous comeback. Um, and unfortunately, in my, I, I like raged so much at the end of this game. Unfortunately, um, it will be lost forever because it was not caught on camera. But it was, I was so mad because we, because I, I choked it and I popped up when we could have totally won this game. Um, it obviously didn't turn out to matter because um, I locked in on the mound in games two, three, and four. Um, the bats were going. Max was absolutely amazing. And same with Colin. Colin had the highest average in the 2020 playoffs. Um, they really carried the team hitting, to be honest. I didn't do that well hitting. Uh, but I played my role as pitcher um, through a no-hitter in game four. And as John called it, and the Pioneers are World Series champions. Great call by John right there. Um, picked him up later, um, obviously. But, yeah, that I mean, that was just a legendary season. I was so happy. First year we won. Um, super cool. And I obviously made Max captain of the Skyliners, just seeing as how well he did. And he's a, he had a solid arm last year. Um, and just that he can lead a team, in my opinion. So that's why I gave him his own squad, and Gibbs, my right-hand man, kept him on the squad. Great guy. And for a lot of people wondering, um, unfortunately, um, I believe Tegan's family just had an issue with COVID, um, and this league really only took place over like two, three weeks. So we found out like almost like right before our series against the Knuckleballs. So Max was our sub, and. That Tegan was like ineligible for the rest of the season because of that so that's why Max filled in every time because last year if you guys don't know we had a rule where you have one alternate and you can only use the alternate if one of your players on your like main roster can't play so that's what we had um so that's why Sean filled in a lot it's not because Gavin chose to have him in there it's because either John or Thomas couldn't make it so that's why and that's why Max also showed up a lot for us at the end of the season and even in the World Series and he definitely did his role and I'll admit he definitely helped us win the World Series um, but that was a legendary season and obviously we dominated in game um, four just a, a overall great year great season everyone enjoyed it and that was a really really fun year and I'm, I'm excited for you guys to see how um, this 2020 season or 2021 season ends off because it's going to be a great one all right now i got two more segments for you guys um before we end it off here and this first one is going to be talking about how it's been preparing for the wiffle and the mitten tourney and if you guys don't know um caleb mendler myself gavining and andrew howe all guys who have actually been on this podcast and appeared on it which is pretty cool um all four of us will be going the MLW Wiffle in the Minute Mitten Tournament um, in Brighton, Michigan um, in, I believe it goes from August 28th to the 29th. Now, it's about, it's a little under 10 days now when I'm recording this from when this tournament will be taking place. And Caleb, myself, Andrew Howe, and Gavin Ng have had you know, we haven't had much time to prepare for this, and we were really hoping this was unscuffed because if it was, um, let's just say we would be dominant. I, I think this is a very competitive league with the unscuffed wiffle, with the scuffed wiffle balls. Um, 
and you know Caleb, myself, and Andrew and Gavin. Really, all of us can pitch really well with the with scuffed wiffle balls. Um, but when we got the news that it was going to be unscuffed, um, all four of us had to start getting to work. Um, we're actually I'm actually going to be practicing with Andrew Howe and Gavin Ng later today. Um, but yeah, it's been. Um, for anyone trying who wants to try out both, I'll, I'll give you a few tips here. Um, the scuffed wiffle ball will kind of do a lot of the work for you. So if you want to throw a riser, it'll kind of rise on its own. But if you're trying to throw an unscuffed riser, you have to flick that thing to the sky if you want it to go up. It's it's so much harder. Throwing scuffed or throwing unscuffed is so much harder than throwing scuffed. Scuffed wiffle balls, they'll do the work for you. Unscuffed, you really have to put in the work if you want it to move. Um, and I have, I've learned like the slider and like a, uh, and like a sweeper, a nasty sweeper. And you know, actually, my nastiest pitch in terms of like any wiffle ball pitch, um, unscuffed or scuffed, is my sweeper that's unscuffed. Um, so it's just. It's very weird throwing uh, unscuffed. Um, it's very inconsistent. It's not going to move like it did the time before. Um, with scuffed, you just have that consistency, and that's what we like for the league because you're going to be throwing so many pitches and stuff. Um, personally, I st- even after trying unscuffed, I like scuffed better. Um, but yeah, you know, I've been putting that work. Um, and today, it kind of clicked on the mound for me when I was throwing my bullpen. Things were starting to work. Um, I literally cannot throw a riser um unscuffed for some reason and i'm the king of risers in our league when it comes to scuffed pitching um but i just cannot throw a lot riser to save my life unscuffed so i'm gonna stick to the sweeper and the slider gonna try to maybe get a 12-6 drop gypsy drop or slurve or something like that um to add into my arsenal but from what I know, Caleb has been doing really well with the unscuffed. And Andrew Howe, ladies and gentlemen, a man who pitched, I'd say he was a, he's an okay scuffed pitcher. This man is absolutely gross. Unscuffed. He's he's gross, dude. He's, he's so gross. He has a nasty slide drop that he can throw from multiple angles. And I would not be surprised if Andrew Howe is the starting pitcher for game one in our tournament. I would not be surprised at all. Um, he's a very solid pitcher, and I, I'd like to see how he does in the game setting. Um, now, I really don't think... Now, how how I think we'll do for the tournament, um, I think we'll do pretty well. I believe a few of the teams that were there last year um, are not are going to be moving up an age division to the 16+. plus. So that's So that's going to be good for us. And I think this is really our year if we want to win a tor- if we want to win the tournament because it's going to be so hard to win 16 plus from now on, um, like next year and beyond. So I think this is really our year if we want to win 15, 13 through 15. Like this is our chance because we're going to be moving up next year. Um, and like I said, I'm not worried about the hitting. I think we'll be crushing bombs. All of us can pretty much hit. Um, very disciplined hitters at the plate. I think it's just going to depend on, on how well our pitching is, and I think I've been doing better, Caleb's been doing well, and Andrew's been doing well, so I, I you know, watch out for NWL Wiffle Ball All-Stars in the Wiffle and the Mitten Tourney, that's all I'm going to say. Alright, um, now we're going to get into our last segment of the day on this solo podcast, 
Um, and it's going to be me, Jake Sullivan, talking some Yankees baseball, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, sir. Um, big Yankees fan right here. Um, I'm sure you've already known um, about Caleb. Um, he is a big Mets fan. And since he actually made um, that podcast, the Mets have completely fallen off. Um, they've fallen off a cliff, actually. And the Yankees have been soaring. Um, we've been doing amazing. Um, I was actually really mad when we lost that Field of Dreams game. But I think we've been on a six-game win streak since then. We've just been dominating. And we've just been playing Yankees baseball. And that's what we got to do. Um, we got Joey Gallo, um, Anthony Rizzo, and Odor were some big pickups. Um, obviously, Gallo and Rizzo were deadline pickups, trade deadline pickups. Odor was earlier in the season, but they have just made an impact in a big way, and this team has completely turned it around. Um, I'm very excited for this team. We're one game up with the Sox now, and we were ten and a half back all the way back in early July, and I am very excited to see where this team goes. And you know, this this has given me. This is very much giving me 2017 vibes, and you know how 2017 went. Um, we probably should have won the World Series that year, if I'm being honest, because we lost to the cheating Astros in seven games, um, and we were a wild card team. We beat the Indians, who were the best team in the in baseball um, that year. They had like a 23 game win streak at one point. It was like tied for the longest ever, or something like that. Um, that was a great year to be a Yankees fan, and this year is giving me a lot of those vibes, those same vibes. Um, we're hot when it matters, and we just got to close it out. We got um, some big series coming up. I think we got a four-gamer against the A's, which is going to be huge for us. And my fellow Yankee fans, do not give up just yet. Um, I think we got a playoff run in us this year, and... Um, I think we were expected to really do super well this year, and we kind of disappointed. But we're getting back up there, and I'm not going to say World Series are bust because we're we're not even division winners um, yet, or we're not even leading our division. But all I'm going to say is that do not, do not overlook the Yankees in the postseason if we end up making it there. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but, yeah, that's just about it, guys. Um... Thank you for listening to me. Um, I know you're probably um, more fond of Caleb when it comes to him running this podcast, but hopefully I did an okay job filling in for him. Um, gonna let him enjoy his vacation. Um, solo pod with the commish. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, that's just about gonna wrap off season one, episode four of the Plays at Home podcast. And folks, I'll see you in the next one. Peace.